0: Welcome back to Fiat, the podcast for Catholic women. We are Renee and Maureen, and we want to give you reliable and honest information about how to be a modern Catholic woman in the world, but not of the world. Use personal experiences as well as church teachings to motivate you to always say yes to God. Welcome back, ladies. We know. Welcome we've been gone back. For- <laughs> Um, But we are excited to announce we have another special guest. um, Laura Nicola, she's a marriage and family therapist, and we're really excited to have her on to talk about mental health and social media. So (laughs) let's start. Lauren, why don't you introduce yourself so we can
1: all learn more about you? Yeah, thanks, ladies. So I'm Lauren. Uh, I live in Denver. Um, I'm went to school at Gonzaga University and then I got my master's at University of San Diego Um, after school I moved back to Denver. This is my home. My family's here. Um, I am married. I have a young daughter. And yeah, uh, like Renee said, I'm a marriage and family therapist. So I work for a Catholic organization here in Denver.
2: I just wanna say for our people out there listening, I am so happy that we're finally back because I've really been missing this podcast and I'm so glad that we're back with a guest to make it doubly exciting. Yay. So hope you guys all really enjoy this episode. So we got some good stuff to talk about. So like first
0: yeah, I, and also oh sorry No, Martin. no, you go. <laughs> so Also, it fits the theme because me and Maureen kind of took the time off to, like, focus on ourselves a little bit and, like, our mental health. So it fits the theme of the episode a little bit. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yeah, so first we just, like, we want to talk about, since this is a podcast for Catholics, we know that sometimes therapy uh, can be sort of like a controversial topic for the Catholic community. So have you ever experienced anything like that? And how do you deal with it? And
1: what is sort of your response to that? Those are great questions. I think, yes, I have encountered that. I don't think it's just within the Catholic Church. I think, you know, mental health stigma is so common and it's unfortunate that it's so prevalent. Um, I mean, again, but specifically within the Catholic Church, uh, you know, some people feel more comfortable kind of getting answers from clergy or, you know, they, they kind of are sometimes afraid of, like, what they would discover in therapy. Okay. Um, we want to make sure that, you know, the therapist is, you know, sound in the Catholic Church's teachings. Um, and so I think there's some general hesitancy to want to try counseling, especially if it's a first-time experience, because it's, I mean, it's uncertain. It's unknown, and that produces anxiety. So, um, yes, I mean, that's that's definitely something that I've come across. Um, Your second question, you know, with what do I do about it? <laughs> um, so I am, I'm really blessed. So like I said, uh, here in Denver, I work for an organization. Um, it's called St. Raphael Counseling. And there's about 15 to 20 of us therapists. And we are like self-proclaimed, like faith-based therapists. So we, we like advertise that we're Catholic-based. People come to us because we're Catholic-based. Um, we have a lot of priests referred to us. Because we're Catholic, so we kind of, we try to, you know, uphold the Catholic Church's teachings, obviously, in counseling. And I think more people are interested in kind of getting their feet wet in therapy since they know that we're established as faith-based, which makes people just more comfortable wanting to kind of venture into something new, which, you know, therapy is, you know, sometimes intimidating. So that's, that helps. I've like noticed a
0: lot in more like traditional Catholic circles. A lot of people will say that like just going to a priest is fine and like you shouldn't really pay for therapy because like Catholics have like built-in sacramental therapy. Um, <laughs> and I've like never understood that really because like I a lot of people one don't have close relationships with their parish priests so it can be harder for them to go there. And At uh, me. Yeah <laughs> I mean I yeah I agree and I think that like there's just this huge, I don't know if it's huge, but there's like a pretty big stigma around Catholics of like going to therapy when, oh, like you have a priest that can do that for you. Like, have you encountered that at all or like felt
1: that way? Yeah, yeah. I think that especially since like people, when they are interested in what they think they're going to a priest for is spiritual based. Oftentimes it's actually psychological based. And it's really hard to talk to somebody about like, okay, is this the chicken or the egg, right? Like Mm -hmm. is mental health coming first and that's causing spiritual problems or is there faith-based problems that are then resulting in psychological problems? And I think more than not, people assume that it's faith-based. And so they, they want to take those issues to their priest or to a clergy member rather than a therapist because they you know, I mean, that's the authority of the church, you know, they, they want the answers from, you know, the, the person in charge, so to speak. Um, but I think that in my experience, at least here in Colorado, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's prevalent elsewhere, you know, priests are getting more education about psychology and mental health. And so it's also really helpful that priests are referring out to therapists. I mean, the majority I think, uh, of our people that come through our clinic come with like a recommendation from a priest. So they might start there, but as soon as the priest realizes, okay, this is out of my scope, this is actually a psychological piece. Um, they, they tend to refer to our clinic, which is really helpful because then, you know, that person is like that much more willing, um, because it's coming from, you know, a, a recommendation from somebody that they trust and they know.
2: Yeah, that's really awesome that you have that opportunity. My brother is a seminarian, so I'm actually really interested to ask him more about like if he's ever had to take any sort of classes. He's only in his um, fourth year. He has four more to go. So um, I'm not sure if he's encountered that yet, but I'll be interested to ask him more about like what he would do in that situation or has anyone talked to him about that? Um, yeah. I just wanted to mention one other thing that you said something about how you advertise your faith-based therapy and that you have that um, Catholic connection. Is there some types of therapy that people do something that would be against a Catholic church? Or like mm-hmm. there are like there's some methods that are like not in line with Catholic teaching or does that not really come into play? You just want to assure people that, that you kind of like understand their Catholic background.
1: I see your question. Yeah. Um, I was asked this before, and I had never really thought about it before being asked, and I guess that's just my own, you know, like, bias being in the profession, like, it wasn't something I thought of, um, but I, I think the answer is no. There's not anything that is psychological-based that directly opposes the Catholic Church. Um, I have, like, an example that's coming to mind, like, um, in work with anxiety and depression, like, we talk about mindfulness a lot. And sometimes people are like, oh, my gosh, what's mindfulness? That sounds like focus. That sounds like, you know, like Buddhism. And they kind of get fearful of what that means. And it's it's my job as the, the faith-based therapist to educate them on what that actually means and make sure that, you know, they, they don't think that I'm trying to steer them into something that's not Catholic-based. Um, yeah. I, I had this conversation yesterday, you know, with somebody I was explaining how, You know, like mindfulness, using my example, that's mostly just being aware and having insight into what we're feeling when we're feeling it. And that has nothing to do with faith. You know, that's just paying attention to our emotions and to our our mental health. And so in faith-based therapy, that's still 100%, you know, applicable. And it's not contrary to the church's teachings. Um, So yeah, nothing comes to mind that would you know, be something psychological in therapy that would oppose um, the Catholic Church. Um, something that is somewhat controversial um, is that some people kind of, they, they think that therapy against somebody that identifies as homosexual is valid or is a thing, um, and it's not, that's not something that's research-based. Um, at all. And so, you know, if we have somebody that brings, you know, like a young teenager or something, for example, um, or college age student that identifies as, uh, you know, homosexual that, oh, some sort of therapy is gonna, you know, fix that or heal them. And, and that's just not something that like the church says is true. And that's not something that therapy or psychology says is true. So that's just another example.
0: Yeah, that's good to know um renee do you have anything you would like to ask i do actually i'm really curious on your take kind of going back to the priest question a little bit like when do you think as catholics we should be seeking out therapy versus priest counsel? like do you think that there's kind of a way to figure out which is better for someone it's probably all like personal but do you have any like suggestions
1: you're on the right track it is definitely personal um I think that part of the answer is purely just resources. Priests are generally extremely busy. They have, you know, a whole flock, so to speak, to attend to. Um, and some of my clients, you know, they see their priests as kind of spiritual directors, like, you know, once a month or once every six weeks. Um, but in general, like a Somebody had a true issue early or every other week. And so, you know, a, a therapy um, and more resources to, you know, be available to that person. And so sometimes, you know, success and progress can be seen more readily because of that. Biggest part of the answer is just identifying what the difference is between spiritual health and mental health, um, you know, the two look like they are a lot of different pieces. They are very different. You know, our mental and emotional health is something that the therapist is trained in when, you know, a, a priest, you know, they're trained in the spiritual health, the spiritual life. And that doesn't mean that there's not crossover. I mean, that's why my job exists as a faith-based therapist but the two the two are very different so i think if somebody's considering going to a priest or going to a therapist i don't think that there's necessarily a wrong first step you know hopefully the priest or the therapist would be able to kind of talk through that with the person you know in order to say hey this is kind of more out of my scope i've certainly done that you know i have no idea i think you should talk to a priest you know that's that's my job to admit that and, you know, say that. And it's a priest's job to be able to say, I have no idea, you know, about this, like, psychological disorder. You should probably talk to a therapist. So, you know, it also kind of relies on, on both the clergy and a the therapist, if that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. I like the
0: idea of, like, you work as a team. You're not working against each other. It's not like going to therapy is against Catholicism at all. And I think it may be some people get that, weird idea and it's it's kind of can hurt them in the end. So I'm glad that. Yeah, I'm glad that you made that connection. Um, Yeah, yeah. so we've okay, so we've kind of talked about therapy a lot. um, And I'm really glad that we did because I think that a lot of just there's just not enough information out there. And it's good to raise awareness to it. But uh, maybe we could kind of transition into social media, my other favorite topic to talk about. <laughs> um, for those of you that don't know, even though we've said it like a thousand times probably, me and Maureen did Fiat 90 um, last semester, and one of the things about that is you don't have social media for 90 days.
2: No social media at yeah. all. No YouTube, no Pinterest. We, well, mm-hmm. we made that a rule ourselves, no Pinterest. No yeah. Facebook, nothing.
0: It was yeah. illuminating. It was good. After Fiat 90, I deleted Twitter and Snapchat. Um, I still have Instagram, but I try to limit my time, but obviously I don't succeed often, because um, so <laughs> uh, So something that I realized through Fiat 90 is like I don't need to be scrolling 24 seven to find fulfillment in my life, <laughs> um, which was for some reason a huge awakening for me. But um, as a therapist, I'm a little curious on what's your take on social media um, do you have you like seen a specific way it affects women in particular? And do you have any suggestions for people my age who have grown up in the social media age and still want to have it but don't want to be
1: addicted? First of all, I applaud you for doing about <laughs> 90. That is extremely hard. That's a long time. Yeah, we Especially didn't really for pre- somebody you know <laughs> was a sophomore in college. So I'm not <laughs> well. In-
2: <laughs> just just a little disclaimer, we had to go home in the middle of it. So, like, we did it as a group, and we were really good. Well, I was – the only thing I really struggled with was the not snoozing your alarm. But anyway, mm, so yeah. then we got sent home, and Renee and I live on literally opposite ends <laughs> of the country. And because we weren't together to motivate ourselves, we both kind of, like, didn't really do it as
1: well when we got home. <laughs> so we did do the social media part all the way. Yeah, so. true. Okay. Well that I mean even that component is impressive. So that's good. Um yes, so, I mean social media is something that I talk about constantly with people. Um it's I mean it's so prevalent in this day and age. I mean, you just listed off like five platforms and there's like twenty or thirty. I mean, I don't even know how many there are, right? I mean, it's just yeah. so infiltrated into our society. And it's it's something that I, I try to make very clear to my clients that you know we, we can't we can't demonize social media. Like there are benefits to it. I mean, since COVID, for example, I've been mostly working from home. And so I've been doing sessions like this, you know, on Zoom, on telehealth, and without, you know, like social media in ways, you know, to advertise and you know, that kind of thing, that wouldn't happen. So I try to make it very clear, you know, okay, my job, you know, as a therapist is not to demonize social media. There are a lot of positive aspects of it. And there are there are ways to stay connected in healthy ways that promote mental health progress and healing. And we have to be really cautious of all of like the pitfalls that are present because there are multiple. Um, I mean, I, I like what you know. You said, Renee, about the time. I think that's like one of the biggest suggestions that I have is is being very mindful of limiting the amount of time on there um, because it just it zaps you in and it zaps your energy and you know before you know it you feel depressed and anxious and lesser than and farther from God and I could go on and on, right? Um, so I think, I think that women in particular have to be aware of like the, the mood that they're in when going onto social media platforms. I think that's one of the biggest suggestions that I talk about with my clients is that, you know, if I'm, if I'm in a depressed mood and as a coping skill, I'm going to distract myself and I'm going to go onto Instagram. I'm probably gonna escalate that depressed mood with what I'm seeing because my lens that I'm looking through is already depressed. So if I already feel isolated, if I already feel down, if I already am missing all of my friends at school and I go onto social media and I see a picture of somebody on vacation or a picture with a filter, of course, you know, with somebody hanging out with one of my friends that I don't get to see, it's gonna probably increase that depressed mood rather than, oh, This is yep snapping me out of it um so yeah that's one of the biggest things you know is knowing what mindset i'm in before i go into a social media platform because it could either be a very big trap or it's something that you know could pull me out of the mood depending on you know what i'm using it for
2: yeah that's i would say that's definitely like really good advice um I have a, like a question like you were talking about like now especially with COVID like things are really different with social media mm-hmm. I would say like you know people might feel like the need to step away from social media but then again because you can't really have that like in-person interaction which I think that sometimes like you know social media can like ruin your in-person interactions because you like hold them up to this higher standard but then the fact that you're like not having any right now is such a hard thing to work with so like do you have any tips for like Feeling isolated when you need to take a break, but then also feeling isolated when you're on it. I know it's like really <laughs> Complicated and I don't like I don't, I don't think know, there's necessarily a ready answer out there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's the million dollar question right now, you know, I mean we we all feel so isolated We're all stuck at home. We're all you know have so many restrictions on what we're allowed to do I mean you guys sitting here, you know, you're not allowed on campus. I mean that is, that's just so, you know, heavy, right? And so it's like, okay, well, let me get, you know, kind of think of unique ways to stay connected. Okay, I'll use social media. But I think that we also have to be careful that that's not too much of a trap too, because I mean, so much about social media is inauthentic and it's it's not based in reality. And so when we, like scroll, for example, or we look at things, or we're trying to connect with people on social media, we also like have to like honestly ask ourselves, is what I'm seeing authentic? And is what I'm seeing based in reality? As well as, you know, kind of like some own, you know, humility, is what I'm posting authentic about me? Is what I'm posting based in reality? Or is it what I'm like hoping it is? Because again, it could just further isolate ourselves. If I'm on there and I'm not being authentic, then I'm probably, you know, not gonna feel any more connected than if I had, you know, done another 90 day cleanse of it. Um, So, I mean, the the biggest word I think that comes to mind is like intentionality. And that's somewhat overused, I think, but I think it also like is really true right now is how much are we being intentional and what relationships are we trying to keep like at the forefront of our brains when we feel so isolated because social media in general, you know, it's, it's sometimes just a, a you know, distraction trap, you know, I mean, I could, you know, pin different recipes for five hours and not feel <laughs> any better, <laughs> you know, I could not feel any more connected, um, you know, that kind of thing. So. I think just knowing knowing with intention why you're wanting to stay connected and how much time you're willing to devote to that is really important to reflect on.
2: Yeah, that was basically like a question that was literally like I wanted to hear your answer for me because I first got Instagram like secret in high school. Like I wasn't supposed to have it <laughs> because I wanted a way to connect to my friends because I live, like, kind of out like outside of town, and, like, I wanted to be able to, like, see what was going on even when I wasn't there. And then, like, when I did the whole Fiat 90 and I deleted Instagram, like, I didn't actually feel like I was missing out on anything. Like, I couldn't see anybody's Instagram stories, but honestly, like, I didn't care. And then I would have, like, my roommates being like, oh, did you see this? And I'm like, no, how could I have missed that? And then I'm like, oh, wait, I'm not on Instagram. Like, I totally even forgot that I didn't have it. Like, it just didn't matter to me. But now that I'm home and I can't like see anybody at all, I feel like deleting it, what would, would, I don't know how it would go. And so I'm kind of like scared, even though I can feel myself becoming addicted to it because I'm actually spending more time on it now that I have schoolwork because I procrastinate. And so it's like <laughs> this weird, awful cycle. And so I really like what you said there about like the intentionality and like knowing what you're feeling before you go on. I'm definitely going to use those tips myself.
1: I think being creative too, like this is such a time to be creative, you know, we're, we're bored, we're stuck at home, there's nothing else to do. So why not get creative with social media? You know, I've had some people like create like email chains of like sending recipes to each other, you know, and then they, they take, you know, Snapchats of them, like making the dish and like how it turns out, you know, and kind of trying to use those things for like specific hobbies or ways to connect as opposed to here's me, I'm just scrolling, looking at these people and there's no connection there, right? Like if I'm trying to connect with somebody and I'm like commenting or I'm, you know, I have a, you know, a private thread going, you know, where I'm actually talking to somebody, that's very different than me just being on the platform and just like looking through pictures or, you know, recipes or, you know, YouTube videos or whatever. It's, it's much more distant in that way. You know, so if we're truly trying to stay connected through social media platforms, then it requires more effort and more, you know, of that connection from person to person, as opposed to oh yeah, I'm just you know watching this Netflix show, or you know I'm just watching you know somebody you know <laughs> paint their nails. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like trying to yeah, yeah. trying to use it to connect rather than just looking at it for. Like looking at it.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Renee, you have
0: your baking blog. This is literally exactly <laughs> what
2: she's talking <laughs>
0: about. <laughs> yeah, I have an Instagram page where I literally just post pictures of me baking stuff, and then I, I, like, there's no filters. Like, they're the worst pictures ever. There's like <laughs> 10 people that follow it, and I just like sometimes if I'm feeling sassy, I'll like post like a reflection about the past few weeks. I'll just be like, this is why I'm baking this cake because this happened. And blah blah blah. But like, it's actually been super therapeutic for me because it reminded me that like social media can be fun. It doesn't need to be like this excuse to put your perfect life in front of everyone. Like, you don't like, why do you care about what like people in high school think of you? Like, they don't, they don't care, honestly. So yeah, <laughs> I just, I think that people need to make social media fun again and just stop caring so much. Like, just remember, just, just like, be like fun with it and like, put like kind of a gross picture of yourself on there that maybe isn't your best like angle. Like, no one, no one cares. Like, <laughs> honestly, so yeah, that was definitely like, it took me a while to get there. And I'm still working on it. But I definitely have like a healthier relationship with social media than I did like a year ago. So and a lot of that is thanks to Fiat 90, honestly. So <laughs> pretty happy about that. <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I think, I mean, people, you're right. People spend probably more time picking out their filter, picking out the right angle or, you know, like the right wording. Like they probably spend way more time on that than even just like having the fun that they're doing in the picture, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Like what, what does that do for us, you know, in our mental health it it doesn't do anything. It's just me creating kind of a facade of who I really am and and facades lead to feeling depressed oftentimes, you know, if we feel like we're faking who we actually are, then we don't feel like our authentic self and that, that can lead to mental health problems. So I love that, you know, you just kind of got yeah, posted and, you know, it's for fun and that's, that's huge. I love that.
2: Shout out to Renee for being the real role model in this podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, listeners, if you're not following, go follow <laughs> Renee's Baking blog on Instagram.
0: <laughs> Please
2: don't. No one follow it. <laughs> oh, my, oh, my you goodness. you follow Fiat on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, I literally, like, I was like, how, before we started recording this episode, I was like, how in the world am I supposed to plug our Instagram when we're telling people to, like, be very careful about what you're doing <laughs> on social media?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Don't go on social media, but if you do, yeah, Instagram.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but if you feel the need to delete, you can also do that too.
0: <laughs> That's oh so funny. Gosh. I feel
1: like, yeah, borderline <laughs> hypocrite too, because I, I actually started my Instagram, which is how you guys found me. I started that like literally right at the beginning of COVID, like in March. Oh wow! I was like, I need, I mean, it was part like, I need a hobby. I need something to do, but I also was like, okay, this time, like, I'm preparing myself without even, like, knowing what COVID was even going to be. I was mm-hmm. like, I feel like people are going to need something, and so, you know, I wanted to, like, offer, yeah, like, words of advice and just, like, little, you know, nuggets of information, and so it, it definitely aligned with COVID <laughs> time, so I spend <laughs> way more time on Instagram than I think I ever have as well, so <laughs> balance, right? <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: that's great. Yeah. Um- I just have another question kind of going off of like mental health, social media, same thing. Um, I mean, we kind of talked about this last episode, but a lot of university students right now, especially at Catholic, we're dealing with the major disappointment of being promised in-person classes. And then three weeks before we're supposed to move in, they're completely canceled.
1: Mm-hmm. It's all online.
0: Um, a lot of people are isolated and probably feeling like pretty sad. Um like do you have any tips for dealing with like major life disappointments that can cause the future to look a little bleak or um, just in general like how to motivate yourself for something you're, you don't even want to do
1: like online classes <laughs> oh gosh that's so disappointing that's, <laughs> yeah I can't imagine having college disrupted in that way that's that's tough I mean I think there's multiple answers I think one is allowing yourself to feel the disappointment when we avoid or deny or you know sweep our emotions under the rug, it makes it ten times harder later once it like actually comes out. So being able to say, yep, I'm disappointed, yep, I'm sad, yep, I miss my friends like and to feel that, it doesn't sound like it's gonna help, but trust me when I say you know down the line, it is gonna be helpful to feel it when you feel it. That's just the mindfulness piece you know that I mentioned earlier um, is just allowing yourself to feel that way. I think another huge thing that I've talked about all of coronavirus with my clients is keeping it the big picture in mind. Um, you know, I know it's, it's hard when I have people, you know, similar to you guys, you know, not getting to go to school. I have people without, you know, having weddings or, you know, people not being able to, you know, like have a normal, you know, like birth you know, for their kids and so many things are happening, right? And I I try to remind people to to take a step back and like kind of look at the bigger picture, especially in terms of our faith. It's like, okay, you know, let me kind of, you know, widen my scope with what's going on at this moment, you know, and kind of identify, okay, what do I have? You know, and kind of implement some some gratitude practices into that. Okay. You know, I I do have A, B, and C. You know, I still have my faith. Okay, I can identify this as a time to, you know, suffer and to unite that suffering with Christ. Okay, this is a time I'm going to have more time not walking to a different class, so I'll maybe, you know, like say another rosary each day. I don't know, you know, whatever it may be, but there's always something more that we can be doing, even amidst the discouragement that's going on right now. So, kind of yeah widening that perspective to kind of try to look at the bigger picture um and then implementing gratitude into that i think has an incredible and profound way to to alter how we feel yeah like the the common catholic phrase offer it up
0: <laughs> like maybe i mean maybe this is you know how you get to heaven who knows like we don't we can never understand god's plan for us and i think that's really been shown through the coronavirus pandemic is mm-hmm. you can plan and plan and plan and it may or may not happen and it's no one's fault really it's just life yeah. so yeah and i'm i am like grateful to have like catholicism right now in the sense that there is like a method to the madness somewhere <laughs> somewhere we can find it
1: <laughs> yes so, yeah. yeah. it's challenging doing that day to day you know yeah. It's really hard, like wanting to sit down and, you know, do your homework or do remote learning, you know, I, I can't <laughs> imagine, um, but yeah, I mean, we, we've we never been like in charge of our lives here, you know, like God's in charge. He has a plan. We're just along for the ride. So, you know, we might as well choose, you know, a, a positive attitude and try to make each day, you know, as, as good as we can. Um, you know, while still acknowledging our, our human emotion of disappointment, you know, holding both of those at once is something that is is really powerful, you know, being able to say, I feel disappointed, and I feel grateful for what I have, as opposed to them being, you know, two contradictory things, you know, we can, we can have two opposing emotions at the same time, and just being able to accept those, you know, yeah. in line with our faith, I think is really helpful.
0: Yeah, let yourself be emotional. <laughs> it's okay <laughs> to be a little sad sometimes. Like you don't need to be a perfect human. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <Amen. laughs> Yay. Okay. Well, I think we covered everything. Yeah. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think you shed some light on some really important topics that Catholics. For don't... sure. Yeah. I, yeah, I really was <laughs> Yeah, it was fun. Um, thanks for having like coming on um we really appreciate it and um yeah thanks for everyone for listening and Hopefully we're back more regularly.
2: (laughs) Oh no, we are definitely back more regularly. I have missed this (laughs) too much to go on another break because this is literally like, I did not realize how much fun this would be and I'm enjoying it so much. Um, So we're hoping to make a little bit of a mini series out of the whole like social media stuff. So if you guys really liked this episode, definitely come back because we're going to have some more. Um, and if you have any suggestions for further episodes, we have an email and we have our Instagram page that we did talk about. So our Instagram is podcast fiat, and then our Gmail is fiat at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you guys. Really anything at all. Are you enjoying it? Do you hate it? Everything <laughs> is appreciated. We just would yeah. love your feedback. Um, so thanks again to Lauren for coming on. and
1: yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I had a blast with you guys. <laughs>
2: Awesome. Yay! (laughs) We'll see you guys. We will definitely see you guys next week. We will be back. I will
0: stay up until midnight if I need to to record this episode. (laughs) Yay. Okay. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We will see you next week. Bye.